This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 70 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. The Horse Boy. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. You can visit them at equestriancollections.com. And also visit Equestrian Professional, the site for people in the horse business. You can visit them at equestrianprofessional.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, where weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell or hot water, while using their tails as their own flight swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, hi, Helena. Hello, Glenn. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Um, you. Uh, you know, I'm glad to have you back. It was uh, We did have a good week, though, last week. Uh, Darcy filled in, and she did a great job speaking with Monty. I know. I'm a little bit envious, but very happy that you got a chance to talk to such oh, a great guy. And she was so thrilled because he's, you know, he's such a hero for her. So I got to spend some time with Monty, actually quite a bit of time with Monty and Debbie down at the uh, Succeed fundraiser in, in West Palm Beach, Florida last weekend. Yeah, talk about envious. Man, do I wish I was there. Oh, it was great. There were probably 10 of the top riders in the world, and Monty was there, Lynn Palm was there. Just the list goes on and on. Gina Miles and, and uh, some there were four Olympic riders there. Wow. And That's you know, a rock star Chester show. Weber was there. It just was a fun event. We had a great time with it. Uh, you know, it was meant to be fun. Courtney King Die was there, and Monty did a little pas de with Courtney King Die. And that was funny, funny, funny seeing Monty, you know, trying to duplicate everything that Courtney was doing on her big fancy warm blood <laughs> with his little, uh, you know, quarter horse reining horse. So it was just a great time. We, we had a great time. I wanted to thank everybody and all the riders that came out. I got to meet all of these cool people we've been talking to for a long time. Were they nice or did, were there a lot of big egos? In oh, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, I had uh, you know people seek me out because they had been on the show with us and they wanted to meet me and meet you, but you weren't there. I know. Well, there were a lot of people that we've had on the show that attended the you event. You know what so. was exciting for me? is of the professionals that were there, what, about 12, 15 of them? We had had all but, I think, two of them on one of our shows. And, you know, we got a lot of listeners coming up and introducing themselves and wanting to say hi and say how much they love the shows. It was just a great weekend. It was a lot of fun. Got to hang out with the riders and drink with them and have fun with them. And and they were all there to have a good time. And it, it really did. I think they raised some money for the USET. Uh, it was funny because Monty actually did a live auction on Saturday night and he was the perfect auctioneer. And there was a minute, they had about five or six items. One of those items was a miniature horse, a mini. Oh. Cutest thing. Just the <laughs> cutest thing. Who won and, it? Actually, Bo from back on track. 
Oh. Bought it for $6,000. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and it was just, it, and Monty was great at getting the bids up, you know, and selling everything for more than it was worth. <laughs> well, a mini, a mini for $6,000. For six, and awesome. Bo was so happy to get it. It was so cute. Uh, and, you know, thank you, Bo, for supporting the USET like that. He is a big supporter. He actually donated $10,000 worth of items for that day they were handing out back on track saddle pads and you know this stuff isn't cheap so uh, wait it was to it was for the uset or the usef uset the united USET. states equestrian team okay. and sorry and i get my my yeah, i know I, I did too initially but uh so i think they raised a good bit of money for him and they're going to do it again next year so we'll, we'll we'll be part of it again next year and we'll make sure we announce it and then so everybody can come down and, and visit and what a beautiful place to go right before christmas oh. it was 85 and sunny I know. I want everybody to know that Glenn was sending me pictures on my cell phone <laughs> from the boulevard with the palm trees and the water and, yeah, you know, and I, then text messaging me, oh, I, this one's great, that one's great, and, you know. It was fun. It was next a good year, time. Next year, I'm not missing it. No way. No, no. you're coming down next year. It, it's just, a, it was a good time. Samantha was there uh, from yeah. the 2010 yeah. radio show. And uh, our spotlight uh, dressage rider for the WEG show, uh, Pierre St. Jack, was there. And what a nice guy he is. Uh, just a nice guy. It sounds like a nice bunch of people just in general. Yeah, it was. We, we did have most of them on the show. And I, so all of our guests, our professional guests, have been, I mean, our guests that are professionals have been so nice. So no. Well, people. and I lined up some interviews, too, while I was there. So we have Lynn Palm to look forward to. Love uh, Lynn. She was there, got to chat with her for quite a while. And I want to get uh, uh, Pierre St. Jack on with us because his wife also is an Olympic eventer out of Canada, hmm. uh, Samantha St. Jack, and just a sweet, lovely person. I also met one of the horse husbands we are going to have on the show, Holly Bennett, who is the Olympic rider or, or the eventer out of Canada, who's so sweet and a good friend with Gina Miles. Holly's husband is the greatest guy. And he has this really deep James Earl Jones voice. He was doing some of the announcing. Yeah. And I said, I got to have you on the show. And, <laughs> you know, he got married into it. And he's been the professional horse husband since. And he's just a nice guy. Aww. And he was so thrilled to be able to come on the horse husband's episode. And Holly was all excited for him until I told her, you know, Holly, all we do on these shows is beat you up. You know, and he's like, she, then all of a sudden she wasn't as excited anymore. Well, were there other, <coughs> I mean, horse husbands there? Yes, there were some. Like Okay. And, you know, a lot of people there, obviously, for the dressage competition that goes on in Wellington this time of year. Uh, so it was a good time. Very good time. I got to meet Lisa Wilcox and Heather Blitz. I got to meet both of them so in nice person. It's nice to put names and faces It together. is. Mm -hmm. It's very nice. And I had Jane Savoy came up and introduced herself. Oh, love Jane. Love yeah, Jane. Yeah, who's been on the show. And she was so excited to meet me and talk. And we chatted for like a half an hour. And she was, was one of my favorite interviews on the Stable Scoop show. I, if you guys, if you're listening now and you haven't listened to the Jane Savoy episode, go back to our website and get it on your iPod. It was definitely one of the best, one of the better interviews we've had. She she had a lot of insight. I just love that woman. Yeah, when she was great. I mean, she she was very friendly and you know, outgoing. And as I said, she she sought me out and... And it was just nice to meet her. And so, hi, Jane. We hope you're listening. And we just, it was just a good time. And I've now I've bored people enough about that. There'll be some pictures on our Facebook account. Uh, so you can f uh, see some pictures there of the event. I think you'll, you'll enjoy those. 
And we wanted to also mention that next week we have a special holiday episode. We're going to have the four uh, regular hosts for the Horse Radio Network. That would be Chris Stafford from Eventing and Dressage, uh, Samantha from 2010, Helena and I will be on next week just chatting about the holidays and Christmas and maybe special horsey memories at the holiday time. So we'll be on doing that, and what we're going to do is record one show, and we're going to put it across all the shows. So next week, if you're a multiple listener to multiple shows, you only have to listen to one. You're off the hook. If you're a multiple listener, it sounds like some kind of disorder. <laughs> That's true. It does, doesn't. <laughs> well, we have a great show planned for today. Tell, tell everybody what we have planned. This is so special. This is special. Um, it, it's a very special story of the horse boy. Um, it was first a book, and now it's a movie that's playing in limited release across the United States. We thought that this was the perfect story the week before Christmas because it is so special and so inspirational. And today we have the author and father of Rowan, the autistic boy, who's the subject of the book. Um, so his dad, Rupert Isaacson, is going to be on with us today, and he's going to tell us about himself, about Rowan, and their amazing journey um, halfway across the world. I, I, I'm so looking forward to this. We actually had this in mind for a long time, and we just decided that this would be the perfect show to do the week before Christmas because it is such a cool story. Uh, and we're so glad that he agreed to come on with us today. He, he's been in, you know, interviewed at a lot of different places, but he was so excited to be on the show with us, and, and uh, we're, we're glad to have him on. And we're going to get him on here right in a little bit. But first, we want to say, Helena, it's not too late to buy a gift certificate. No, Equestrian uh, Collections equals gift certificate. And you know what we said before? Remember we were talking when we did one of the uh, gift-buying episodes, and we said, um, let me think. We said, as a horse husband, I recommend you buy a gift that she can open, but I also recommend you buy a gift certificate that she can go out and get what she actually wants. That's right. This way you get the best of both worlds. I you still, can't lose. Well, you're running out of time to buy the physical thing. But you aren't running out of time. You can still get the gift certificate over at equestriancollections.com. She will certainly, or he, will certainly appreciate that gift certificate or your child because they have all kinds of kids stuff over there, too. Really cute stuff. And you, you have a multitude of choices over at Equestrian Collections. And your gift certificate is good for a long time to come. You can buy what you want, when you want. As they always say, gift certificates are the perfect gift because the, your, the, the person that you're it to can buy exactly what they want, and they usually do that a little ways after Christmas, and it's like having Christmas all over again. Mm-hmm. And th- I can't think of a better place to do that than at Equestrian Collections. They have a multitude of different uh, dollar amounts that you can buy. They get them out to you by email right away, so it's very easy, very simple to do. We highly recommend a gift certificate. All you horse husbands out there, if you're listening, or your or the wives can you know drop a hint. Get them a gift certificate. They'll, they'll appreciate that when they go to use it, and they'll appreciate the fact that you wanted to let them, or that they got to get what they wanted. Did I get that wrong, Helena? No. <laughs> <laughs> just, let, me just, let me just explain something right now. Gift certificate, horses, there's no such wrong does not play into that equation. Okay, good. All right. no, no possible way you could be wrong with a gift certificate to Equestrian Collections. All right, go to questioncollections.com and click on the gift certificate link. Well, let's let's um we're going to get to Rupert here, but first I want I thought as a way to introduce him, the best way to introduce him would be actually to play the trailer for the movie The Horse Boy because he explains really what it's about. So, 
uh, this is about two minutes long. So take a listen. I think it really sets the stage for, for what treat we have in store for us today. In April 2004, my son Rowan was diagnosed with autism. The feeling was like being hit across the face with a baseball bat. Our lives became clogged under a mountain of conflicting information on the disorder. We tried everything. He didn't speak to us. One day, he ran away from me and ran right up to a horse called Betsy. The moment I put Rowan on Betsy's back, he began to speak. He's a nice horse. As Rowan began to open up to me for the first time, a light bulb went on in my head. Was there a place on Earth that combined healing with horses? Mongolia. This is a story about how, as a family, we did something crazy. How we ended up going halfway across the world in search of a miracle. Exactly Ron's vision of Mongolia. We're going to go up a several thousand foot mountain and perform a four hour ritual with shamans. Isn't that what all families do? Sometimes I think he's like leaping forward, sometimes it's like he's totally regressive. <laughs> I couldn't help wondering did I really have his best interest at heart here? I don't know how useful it is to think of us as normal and Rowan as the thick one. something happened. Rowan began laughing, giggling. We were together again as a family. to listen to what interested him above all else. We're onto something good here. Well, hi, Rupert, and welcome to the show. You know, we're just so happy to have you on. Well, thank you so much for having me. You know, this has been in the works for actually on our end for some time because we've been wanting to have you on, and I kept holding out, and our friend Fran Yerga was the one who got us in touch with you, and she kept saying, you got to get him on. I said, I'm holding out for Christmas uh, because I really wanted this show to be on the week before Christmas, and as it turns out, the movie is opened. So right. it's just a perfect timing, I think. Uh, Tell us a little, before we get into the horse boy story, tell us a little about you, your background. Obviously, your background was horses. And just give us a, you know, a Reader's Digest of your life, and then we'll get into where your son came into the picture. Okay. Well, I was, it's funny, I don't come from a horsey family. Um, I was one of those kids who wanted horses but didn't have them. And um, I had, was lucky, though. I had a horsey aunt. And... Um, when we would go up to visit her at weekends from London, um, she would sort of watch me go out to the field with her old retired hunters and talk to them. And she'd say to my parents, you know, that boy's going to ride. And they'd be like, no, he's not, because <laughs> we don't want him to. And um, she'd say, no, I think you'll find he'll probably ride. And she was right. When I was uh, 12, between the ages of 12 and 14, I had a, a stall in a flea market selling junk in London. 
and I bought my first horse that way. Um, wow. Uh, racehorse off the track. And um, luckily, that area of, 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 of England is sort of where fox hunting began, and it has a real uh, tradition of cross-country riding and eventing and so on. And there's lots of people up there who know how to retrain thoroughbreds for that job. So I had a couple of mentors who showed me how to do it. And um, so I hunted that horse and I vented that horse and I team chased that horse and I steeple chased that horse and I sort of did everything you can think of, really. Um, and um, he wasn't a particularly good horse. <laughs> and he was a bit crazy, so he... Uh, he uh, taught me a lot, and then um, it's always good to learn on the crazy ones. It is if you survive it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I remember this horse, you know, flipping over backwards with me out hunting, and I remember him, you know, uh, in the show jumping arena once, actually jumping me out of the arena. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was one of those horses who had a lot of talent, and when he was on, on the days he was on, he was really on. And then, of course, after him, it meant that pretty much any other horse felt quite easy. So um, I then came over here after university, and I trained horses in Virginia, hunters and hunter-jumpers and uh, jumpers and blah, 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 um, and did that for a while, while establishing myself as a writer and a journalist. Um, and uh, gosh, you know, I sort of just like all horse people, you know, kept the fanaticism going. And then latterly, I I got fascinated with classical riding and, um, you know, classical dressage. I took myself down to Portugal, which is the promised land of classical riding because they train the horses for the bullfight down there and so, sort of had my riding revolutionized. And all of that was sort of going on right about the time that my son Rowan was diagnosed with autism. Um, so I actually, this is, this is an interesting thing, I, I stopped riding. Um, around that, that time because I thought that Rowan was not safe around horses and you know he was he was so uh, unpredictable and, and wild and incontinent and loud and you know thought he would just spook horses so I stopped owning them even though I live in the country now you know outside of Austin I have a horse property I, I stopped having horses I stopped riding and probably as a lot of readers who know who are fanatical horse people, or, or sort of listeners. I mean, they, they they wouldn't be listening to the show if they weren't. If you are a horse person and you stop riding, it's not very good for you psychologically. No, you know, no, like, that's true. You, no. know, <laughs> you, you start to spiral down. If you're already depressed, it's not going to help you. <laughs> no. and so I definitely was starting to go into a spiral of, of, of depression. And um, But Rowan, my boy, was always better. His tantrums were less and so on when he was out in the woods behind the house. So one day we were out there walking, and instead of taking a right turn along the sort of trail as he would normally, he took a left turn and ran before I could grab him through the woods and under the fence into my neighbor's property. And all my neighbor's horses happened to be grazing right by the fence that day. And I thought, oh, you know, he's going to get trampled. Right. But he didn't. Instead, something kind of extraordinary happened, which is that the grumpy boss mare of that herd, um, a horse called Betsy, um, pushed the other horses off very, very gently with her nose. And Rowan is lying on his back, babbling in the grass, you know. <laughs> and she bent her head and she did the submissive gesture, you know, the, the half-closing of the eye and the licking and chewing. And 
what I realized was that she was doing this spontaneously to him. You know, it's not like Rowan had put her in a round pen and chased her around for half an hour to get Right, to right. Um, and I hadn't actually seen a horse spontaneously offer this to a human before. Um, much less, of course, a, a, you know, a babbling two-and-a-half-year-old autistic kid. So I, re- I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, he's got, he's got the horse gene, you know. But this is tragic because I'll never share it with him because of his autism. Luckily, it turned out I was completely wrong. And that's where the story picks up. That's pretty this, much where the story begins, yeah. This, this and, journey. And, you know, I, you were being humble and skipped over the fact that you've written about 80 books. Um, well, it's, it's my job, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but what I wanted to, I wanted He's to set the stage. for his passion. <laughs> I wanted to set the stage a little bit in that most of the books are about adventures and traveling. That's right. And so you, you have, before, before your son came into the picture, you spent a lot of time in some very exotic places in the world. Well, it's sort of, it's in my genetics, in that I come from a funny family. Um, I sound very English, but I'm not English at all, really. Um, my family is all South African and Zimbabwean, and a lot of my family is not white, and a lot of my family doesn't speak English. Um, and although I was born in the UK, um, I did a lot of back and forth between Africa and the West as a kid. And African families, white African families, are very much families that do a lot of travel. We go into the bush a lot. We go and camp in the wilderness a lot. You know, it's just sort of part of the culture there. So I grew up with that expectation that that was a normal thing to do. And um, so when I started to sort of make my way as a writer and a journalist, it was natural for me to sort of do it in Africa and go and, and, and I, so I sort of did a mixture of travel writing, adventure journalism, and then more and more gradually slipped into environmental writing and human rights. Um, and the human rights stuff would be, I started to meet a lot of hunting and gathering tribes who were still living in a very traditional way um, in remote parts of Africa and remote parts of Asia. And um, gradually, these people would ask me for little bits of help here and there, you know, for because almost always they were locked in a struggle where people were either trying to cut down their forest or kick them off their land to make way for diamond mines or make way for cattle ranching or something like that. And gradually I slipped into advocacy and a sort of second career came about where I, I now run a couple of human rights networks myself where we specialize in helping tribes like this um, to get their land back. And we've, we've won a couple of cases in Africa, um, wow. you know, for, for that. And of course these tribes, all these tribes have a very evolved tradition of healing through the use of trance or an altered state of consciousness um, where the healer sort of goes into this other state and while in that other state sort of prays, sings, lays on hands and, you know, one might think that the thing is completely woo-woo, but what you see if you spend a lot of time in these places is that people consistently get sick, get better, get sick, get better. Um, so right about the time that Rowan was diagnosed, this is 2004, 
I had to bring, and at the same time he met Betsy, the mayor, I had to bring a delegation of Bushmen hunter-gatherers from Botswana in southern Africa to the United Nations and to the State Department to make a protest against their illegal evictions and torture and so forth. And some of those guys on that delegation were trained healers within their own culture, and they casually offered to do a bit of work on Roe. And I was like, well, why not? You know, worst thing that can happen is nothing, right? And to my surprise, for about four or five days, Rowan started to lose some of his obsessive symptoms and behaviors. Um, now, at the same time, I realized he kept taking himself to the horse. And eventually, I'm blonde, so I'm not very clever. And eventually the penny <laughs> drops. I was like, maybe I should just put him up on the horse, you know, because this is actually quite a quiet quarter horse. All the horses that I'd ever dealt with up until then had been, you know, jumpers and hunters and horses that you wouldn't really put a child on. And uh, so I asked him, I said, do you want to get up? And I didn't, I didn't expect any kind of, you know, lucid response. But to my surprise, he said up. And I was like, huh. Is he just echoing what I'm saying? Because echolalia, as you call it, is very much a, a part of autism. So I put a saddle on, a Western saddle in this case, and climbed up, put him up there, climbed up behind him. And I said, again, almost rhetorically, all right, well, where do you want to go then? Do you want to go to the woods or the pond? And he said, to the pond. I'm like, you, you don't really talk. Well, you know, are you just, again, are you just echoing me? So we ride down to the pond, and... Um, this big heron gets up and goes flapping off. He said, heron. And I didn't know he knew that word. And I said, shit, he's talking. And from that point on, we started living together in the saddle, literally spending four or five hours a day. I would put him up in front and off we'd go. And he could be in the worst of a sort of massive autism tantrum. And autism tantrums are very different to normal kid tantrums because they... They, result as, they come as a result of neurological trauma, so you can't comfort the child. The child's nervous system is exploding, and they might think that you know a breath of wind suddenly feels like a flamethrower. And I will or say that suddenly feel like they weigh ten tons. Yeah. So all you can do is really prevent them from harming themselves until that sort of juggernaut of misinformation in their body grinds to a halt and the, the switch gets flicked back to normal. And your trail, your trail, your. Your trailer, yeah. Rupert, uh, for the movie really does yeah. show that, you know. Yeah, no, totally. It, 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 it's amazing. It really works. I mean, the kid can be in the middle of, and we've subsequently found this with other children, in the middle of one of these types of traumatic episodes, and you put them on the horse and get the horse moving, and it's as if the switch just gets thrown. So anyway, you know, I was thinking, well, gosh, he's had an amazing reaction to the horse. He's had an amazing reaction to these shamans, these traditional healers. I could go to Africa tomorrow because I know these guys personally, but that's not a horse culture. Is there a horse culture that combines this kind of healing with horses? So I did a little research. Yes, there is. It's Mongolia. That's where the horse comes from. Equus cabalus, as we know it, evolved there. That's where it was first domesticated. And they have a very strong system of shamanism there. And in fact, all their metaphors for healing are tied up with horses. For example, when a healer is going into trance, um, they call that riding the wind horse. And so I thought, I just had this gut feeling. It's like we have to take him there. And if we how take long, him there, you know, between, we'll get results. Say that again. I'm sorry. How long after his first time up on Betsy, 
um, did you, and, and the time you decided that, yeah, right, Mongolia is the place for us to go, what happened in between that time that well, made you I sure? Did, <laughs> I, uh, I, I suggested the idea to my wife. Like right away? Did you? Did and the you lawyers got involved immediately after. <laughs> did you play with it a little bit? Because uh, you it didn't know, go as over a... very well. <laughs> um, you know, she, she she very reasonably pointed out that uh, our lives were incredibly stressful, <laughs> and the thought of taking an incontinent, tantruming, impossible, you know, infant to a place like Mongolia, and somehow, you know. <laughs> yeah, we just we just add to our stress level, not take away from it. And she was, I was like, well, you know what, love, you're absolutely right. I just had this gut feeling. The the other thing, though, so my wife doesn't like horses. I'm I'm definitely the girl in the family. Um, <laughs> I'm the blonde, and she's the brain. You know. Um, so I've seen uh, pictures of you, of, Rupert. Of, like, across. <laughs> Rupert, I've seen pictures of yeah. you, and I don't think the female population of our audience is going to agree that you're the girl in the family. Uh, <laughs> I could make a joke there, but I, I, I keep it clean. Um, maybe I should just say that's what she said or something. Uh, well, true, I'm too ugly to be a girl. You're right. but um, That's not quite what I meant. In terms of the horse interest, I'm, I'm definitely the chick. And, um, you know, because it's funny because, you know, people so often assume in a, in a couple that it must be the woman who rides. And um, we're one of those rare couples where it's the opposite. And... Kristen really, I mean, doesn't care from horses at all. When we first got together, I taught her how to ride sufficiently that we could go trail riding together and stuff. But, you know, she might go twice a year on a horse that is, you know... Bomb-proof. Bomb-proof. A husband horse. She should be on our our, our horse husband show. Yeah, she should. You know, oh, you have you have a horse. Yeah, we do a special yes, horse husbands episode every year, which is always the most popular show we do every year. And we really, really should get her on because she really is you the should. horse husband. You yeah, she, she, she'll be very funny about <laughs> what it's like to be. She married. could relate to all of us horse oh, husbands. Oh, totally, totally, <laughs> totally. Um, so no, you took. So you took. So you have this this epiphany. You're out there with Rowan, and you yeah. take this. Now, at this point, it's is it. Is it pretty much set in your mind that this is going to help him, or are you still not quite sure? But when you bring no, it to her, were you convinced? Not, it, no, it's, it, it's not about my mind at all. Um, it's about the heart and the intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, on the, I mean, there, there is, I suppose, a certain intellectual process in that I can say, okay, he had this radical and positive response to the horse. He had this radical and sp- positive response to the healers. So let's combine the two. But you know, some but an equally intellectual response was was to say, yeah, but Mongolia's a million miles away. You've got no idea what will happen there. You've got no idea if it will work. It will be immensely time-consuming and expensive. You know, why would you put yourself through that when you can ride every day with Betsy at home? And um, again, the only answer to that is that I just had this very strong gut feeling, and it wouldn't go away. It just wouldn't go away. Now I knew at the time. Rome was only two and a half, you know, when he first met Betsy and when the, these Bushman healers worked on him. So he was too small then to withstand the rigors of a journey like that. Right. So I knew that it would be a while anyway before we could do it. So I just sort of kept my mouth shut after a while. And um, Kristen did the same thing. And I think she just thought, oh, well, you know. If, if the idea will just go The wacko's finally given up. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it'll just be too much hassle and it won't actually happen. So let's stop fighting about it. So we both kind of 
stopped fighting about it while sort of maintaining our position silently. Um, but I think what changed was that after about two and a half years of riding and literally this life in the saddle together with my son, every other therapy that we had tried had had very, very limited results. And the thing that had really, really helped him, you know, for example, his, his speech therapists gave up on him right about the time that he met Betsy. And so I was like, that's fine, don't worry about it. I've got a therapist at home with four legs and a tail. He's cheaper <laughs> than you anyway, so we, we'll, uh, we'll work with her. But I think by then, Kristen, you know, my wife, had, had seen the results over a couple of years so strongly. She'd also seen me, you know, this, this gut feeling wouldn't go away. And I also, I sort of let her off the hook, and I kind of said, listen, I, I, I do appreciate that this is my gig. And um, if you don't want to come, it's fine. It's not like you have to. It's not like this is a compulsory school field trip or something. Um, and I think the thing of being let off the hook was important because then she could sort of then she kind of turned around and went, well, like, yeah, right. So I'm going to miss out on this right. adventure. You know, <laughs> right. Well, then, but it kind of <laughs> at some point you had to tell her there were cameras coming along. That must have been a thrill too. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she always not speaks one volumes g- about your relationship. Yeah. <laughs> she, she'd trust you. If, if she, for not being inclined to, to be around horses, for her to trust you with her child, I mean, yours as well, but that's, that's a, it says a lot about your relationship with her. Yeah, well, just to be fair to Kristen, I'm, I'm making her out, of course, to be much more much less adventurous than she actually is. Now, just as a background, I met Kristen in India. I was writing a guidebook to India at the time. She was doing her research for her PhD. She's a professor of psychology. Um, she, it sounds like she, she needs to be. <laughs> fascination with the pathologies of her husband. Um, and, uh, you know, when I met her, she had already been living in... Um, in India for some time by herself and oh, so she, you know, so she, she's a very capable girl yeah. and then she and I when after we did get together there went off trekking through very remote jungle areas together and um, stayed with you know hill tribes and so on so it's not like she was a stranger to any of this and we'd hitchhiked across Africa together and so on and so on but we hadn't done it with a two and a half year old autistic kid yeah. and we didn't do it on horseback you know because it's just not her thing um, but I think she she has a certain faith in my gut feelings too and one of the things about intuition it's interesting I think this is a cultural difference between America and say South Africa um, remember I come from a South African family and Intuition is something which they teach you as a child in South African families to listen to. And there is a very practical reason why. Um, Because there's many, many times when you're growing up in that environment where you can't control situations and you, you can't really make rational decisions because... There's lots of things going on that, that, that prevent that. Like, for example, you don't speak the language. So, for example, I have one African language, but in South Africa, there's about 20. And if, here's a classic situation. You're driving along, your car breaks down. Your car breaks down in an area that's not terribly friendly. 
the people that are not terribly friendly who are now coming to check you out all speak a language that you don't speak. And there's an elephant up the road. What are you going to do? <laughs> there is a South African saying for this. And the, it's in a language called Afrikaans. And the saying is this. It's on salaplan muck. And on salaplan muck means we'll make a plan. Okay. Meaning there's a sort of inherent optimism that you, what you have to do is, I don't know how I'm going to get through this situation, but I'm going to get through it. And I'm going to feel my way through it. And that is a quality which is definitely sort of deliberately taught to kids at a fairly young age down there because you might need it growing up. Um, and it's different to street smarts because street smarts are all about knowing your environment. Like, I know the street, I know how to get around, I know. This is about not knowing your environment. And in a funny way, it, there's a carryover there, I think, with horses in that, you know, the horse doesn't come to you in the morning and say, hey, listen, I actually don't feel like working today because my neck's a bit stiff. And, you know, and my neck's a bit stiff because, you know, yesterday I did this thing in the field and blah, 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 blah. You know, you get on the horse and the horse bucks. And then by a process of deduction, you might find that the horse is in pain in its neck or its back or something like that. But the only way that the horse can communicate with you is physically. So you have to develop a sense of feel, a sense of intuition, don't you, with horses? Right. That sort of, and with individual horses, that sort of allows you to make considered judgments, but it's not based on an intellectual process. That the mind is engaged to a degree... Mm. But a lot of it is about the gut, it's about the heart, it's about the feel. And I think everybody who rides a horse knows this, you know. I, I think it's one of the few areas in modern life where feel and intuition is really an important thing is when you're working with horses. So... Does that... I'm sorry, yeah. i got to stop you for a second because it just yeah. triggered a thought. Um, it's listening without your ears. Um, That's right. And I'm wondering if listening with a different part of your brain... Yeah. Gives that part, I mean, I, I have, yeah, gives that part of your brain which receives so much information, actually gives it a break and exactly. lets you listen and process from a place that you, it's a quieter, more manageable place to, from which you can process this stuff. And well, if you're and let's face it, four. The mind, what is the mind? The mind is a tool. And it's a very good tool. It's like one of these super tools, you know, that can do all sorts of things. But it's still only one tool. So if I want to build, if I want to change a wheel on my car, I do need the right tool for that. And I can try and use a screwdriver or I can try and use a washing machine, you know, or something yeah. to change that tire. But it's not going to work. I need, I need a, a, a particular type of tool. And I think that too much reliance on the mind it's like trying to do everything with a screwdriver. <laughs> you know, there are some things it's going to work very well for and some things it's going to work not so well for. One needs more tools in the toolbox. Hmm, interesting. Can we, to, wait, Rupert, we need to take a short break here and then we're going to come mm -hmm. back and talk a little bit about the book and the movie and, and, and the rest of the story right after this short break. Well, Helena, talk about great gift ideas. Another great gift idea is a membership to equestrianprofessional.com. Equestrianprofessional.com makes the perfect gift for that person in your life who runs a horse business. 
If you are a horse trainer, rider instructor, professional rider, or stable operator, you need to check out equestrianprofessional.com. It's a website that provides affordable horse business education and marketing tools specifically for the horse professionals. They have a huge article index, download library, online calculators, how-to videos, member forums, teleseminars, and more, all for uh, horse professionals throughout the industry. Equestrian Professionals free newsletter is packed with information you can use right away to improve your horse business. Plus, when you sign up, you get the 10 best ways to make your horse business more profitable. An easy read, step-by-step guide to help you make your horse business run more smoothly and profitably. That's Equestrian Professionals, success for your horse business. Support for your equestrian career at equestrianprofessional.com. The perfect gift for that horse. A professional horse lover in your life. So I'm interested in this this wonderful child because I think all children are wonderful and we should really aspire to be children and not grown-ups. Um, so I'd like to hear about Rowan, um, what he's like, what you've discovered since you were able to connect with him and um, what he's, how he's growing and, and how he's um, developing as an individual. Well, without sort of giving too much away of what happened out in Mongolia, I mean, he is a very, very, very different child today than um, than you know where he, where he started. Um, but to to kind of really tell you what's going on with him, I sort of really had to tell you what happened out in Mongolia. So, shall I? Sure. I mean, well, we can guess okay. that, that things worked out for the better. <laughs> right. So here's, here's what happened. We went out there with, with a child who was suffering from three terrible dysfunctions along with his autism. He was incontinent. He tantrumed all the time because of these intense neurological issues. And he couldn't make friends. In the course of riding across Mongolia from Gila to Gila, and we started in the center and we went all the way up to Siberia to the shamans of the reindeer people. Um, and we had all sorts of ups and downs and setbacks. And, but we came back with a child that was still autistic, but who no longer had these three key dysfunctions. Oh. And he made his first friend during the first ceremony. And then that boy and his father traveled with us across Mongolia. Wow. And then the day after the three-day healing with the shaman of the reindeer people, a guy called Ghost. The guy, that shaman said, okay, well, you know, Rowan will get gradually less autistic till he's nine, particularly if you continue to do these types of healing journeys and so on. But he said, the stuff that really drives you crazy, the incontinence and the tantruming, this will end like now. And I was pretty skeptical. But about 25, 26 hours after we cut we left that reindeer camp. Rowan did his first intentional bowel movement and cleaned himself. And then we counted the number of tantrums that we had between then and sort of two, three weeks later when we got back to our house in Texas. And um, we counted six tantrums of any note. And by the time he got back, he wasn't doing them anymore. And normally six tantrums would have been half a day or a day's worth, depending on if it was a good day or a bad day. So this is what happened, and but he was not cured, and I want to really stress that. Shamanism does not cure autism. Horses do not cure autism. 
but I think that there is a real difference between healing and cure. That healing, if you like, is the amelioration of negative symptoms to the degree that a condition, be it autism or something else, is no longer a dysfunction or a disorder, mm. but it's simply more of just a way a person is. And I would say that that's kind of what happened. And so now Rowan is this happy kid. He's got a full social life. He's two grades ahead academically. <laughs> he rides by himself. This is amazing. So he and I really do share this. Wow. And we've We've incorporated the riding into his schooling, into his academics, and we now also run a little therapy center, a very small one, um, close to where we live in Texas, where we do this now with other kids, and we're starting to run camps, what we call horseboy camps, in the USA, in the UK, and other places, because we're finding that, particularly when it's issues of kids that are nonverbal, if they get a really deep immersion into being with the horses and spending an awful lot of time on them and camping out in nature and being with their family while the whole thing goes on. Very different experience to going to a barn. Um, for whatever reason, we don't know why, we often see kids go from two words to 20 words or, uh, you know, zero words to three words or something like that over the course of about, you know, 48 hours or so. And so we just... We just keep doing it, even though we don't really know why it works. We just sort of, and it's not 100% of kids, obviously, but it's a sufficiently large percentage that it makes it really worth trying. And so Rowan really sort of has demonstrated, I think, in a way, um, this, this, this kind of healing power that horses have. And um, he also now helps me train them because the healing goes two ways. The horses are calmer and quieter when he's on their back and they go softer and sweeter and i've noticed this with a lot of the special needs kids that we have so my i've got three um therapy horses two quarter horses and, a, and, a, and an arab and um all of them do more than just the therapy work they do some high school dressage they jump and they do tricks they do ground tricks like you know bowing lying down smiling waving their legs and so forth and the reason we train them to do those things is the really, really collected movements like Piaf and Passage and so on. We found if you put a Western saddle on and you get up behind a kid and you do that, it induces a sense of euphoria. Basically the same sense of euphoria that you and I feel when we do it. And you often get a peal of laughter <laughs> and then the child, and then maybe two, three words. You get the same thing if you sit behind the child and you open the horse up and you let the horse canter or gallop. And then with um, the tricks on the ground, if, 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 a, if a kid is having difficulty with speech but will approximate a one-syllable command like owl, the down, or bow, and the horse bows or the horse lies down, that's a big payoff. Mm -hmm. And it's very empowering. And it encourages them to try. And, and even if they won't do it uh, verbally, if they'll do a little hand gesture, and, of course, me or one of the girls who works for me can sort of stand next to the horse and cue it very discreetly. And it will go down, it will go up, it will smile, it will do whatever the cue is telling it to do. This really does seem to work with the kids. So there's many, many ways to work with the horses. But when I'm, say I'm training something like Piaf or Spanish Walk, if Rowan is on that horse, that horse goes sweeter while I'm training it than <laughs> if I'm training it by myself. So Rowan, so who's the therapist here? 
Right. So it's an interesting thing. And how, how ha- ahead, sorry, Helena. Glenn, how has um, how has all of this changed your relationship with Rowan, or has it changed? Um. Well, I think back to this thing of listening without your ears. If I had had, in inverted commas, a normal child, I would have been able to say, do this, do that, you know. And I probably would have been a bit of a, a more of an authoritarian parent. Because it's, it's, it's easier, quite frankly. It's easier mm. to say to a kid, do this because I say so, you know rather than have to explain or find yeah. other ways or, you know what I mean? And if they're, yeah. if they're not compliant, you just sort of time out and blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't do that with an autistic kid. I mean, you can try, but pardon my French, you are pissing in the wind if you do that. I mean, and more than that, if you get really mad at them, um, you lose them. They just retreat into themselves. And so what you have to do is let the child lead you. And that is a very difficult thing to do for those of us brought up with a pedagogical model of parenting and that our parents taught us by telling us what to do and being very directive. Um, With autistic kids, you have to take a different approach and you have to take a different approach because the other approach simply isn't an option. It's not available. It doesn't work. So what I've learned is that I can actually rely on Rowan to show me what he wants to do. And that initially he would do it by physically placing himself somewhere, i.e. in front of Betsy. Um, And if I followed that, I would get my best result. And what it it taught me is that, yes, with, with, with a kid, you're better off starting with them where they are, not where you want them to be. Because they'll get where you want them to be, but they have to start where they are. And it's very similar with horse training, isn't it? Absolutely. For example, if you've got a horse that is always softer in one corner of the arena, so every time you've got something new and you teach them in that corner of the arena, somebody might say, oh, well, eventually he's going to have to go out and do it somewhere else. The answer is yes, yes, he will, and he'll get there. But why not start in the place where he's intrinsically motivated to be and then gradually move it into other environments? You're probably going to get your best result that way. It might take a bit longer, but it might be more solid and you'll have a horse that doesn't freak out. Um, that sort of standard cowboy wisdom, isn't it? Um, but, you know, ride the horse where you can, not where you can't. I think it's a little bit the same with kids and I think Rowan showed me that very strongly by taking away the option of sort of authoritarian models of parenting and I'm very grateful for him for that because I don't I don't want to be that kind of parent you know and I, I might have been mm. because it you know because it, I'm lazy you know well and it's I, I, I'm going to give you the you're human that. I'm an, it's, <laughs> it's the path of least resistance and if you don't know any other path you're going to take the one that is the easiest to follow Exactly. Except, of course, what you do, you know, the flip side, you set up immense resistance in the child that right. way. Right. And, um, and I think one pays for that up the road later in adolescence. Absolutely. It, it's not easy to take the more difficult path. You, you have to see it first in order to, yeah. to trailblaze it a, a little bit. And I think with children like Rowan, they, they sort of put a big sign up in front of you that says, sorry, <laughs> this trail's yeah. closed. <laughs> you know, they you, do. And, of course, but the great reward is, I kind of really do feel like when Rowan and I are doing stuff together that it is collaborative. You know, that, that 
and up the road, you know, I'm a storyteller, you know, it's what I do for a living. He's starting to emerge as a storyteller himself. Mm. He, <laughs> and I have a, you know, it's in the blood. My grandparents were journalists, you know. Um, it, it's what the family sort of does, really. And I have a feeling he's going to do the same thing in his way. And the next book and the next film, I really hope that it's going to be something more of a collaboration between him and I. Um, I mean, you could even argue, really, that the horse boy is, because all we did with that story was follow him. You know, it wasn't my idea to take him and put him on Betsy. Right. It was his idea. Yeah, really, I this was, was his... to keep him away. Yeah, this was his story. He was telling yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just a mouthpiece, really. Well, now, did you find that writing this... You'd written a lot of books... Just anybody can go on Amazon and look at the, look it up your name, and you're going to see a lot of books. Um, you're a prolific writer. So did you find that this was more difficult to write because it was about your family or easier? Um, I think initially I thought it was going to be more difficult. It turned out to be it turned out to be easier once I realized that all I needed to do was follow Rowan. Okay. that I didn't need to do anything other than just follow behind him and say what happened. And as long as I kept it to that, it would be cool. But as long as I tried to confuse it or complicate it with other things, um, then it, it might go tits up pretty fast. And... Um, Again, that's, a, that's another type of listening um, where you listen to the story and what's the story telling you? Hmm. What's the story telling you to do? And, um, and what, do you, what is he yeah. telling you now? What's the, at this what's point Ryan telling me now? Yeah, you've come this far, and what are you hearing from him, from now? him now? What I'm hearing from him now is that the horses are very much a part of his life and his development, but that they are not the whole and that they are sort of a step to a greater um, involvement with the animal world. And, is, and would you say him, that, is that a developing that passion? Is that a developing passion? Very much so. Um, and for him, you know, bugs and rodents are as interesting as horses or elephants. Um, and that he has an affinity with a lot of animals. Like he, we have a little chicken who he can get grab that chicken, put it on his shoulder, and go, "Ha ha! It's a pirate macaw." And he goes <laughs> look at himself in the mirror and go, "Ah!" That's awesome. You know? And and you can see the chicken is going like, "I don't know why I'm sitting on this kid's shoulder." You know, like, you know I can't get near this chicken. You know, <laughs> but it stays on his shoulder. Um, and I've seen him work this way with other animals before. Um, and he knows obscure, you know species of Madagascan insect that, you know, and I'm a bit of a nature nerd myself, um, you know, and he's far outstripped Well, me you would have to be, or you're not going to survive in those places you visited. <laughs> <laughs> you have to kind of like the creepy crawlies. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I can't see myself doing that. Uh, no, no, you yeah. never. <laughs> never. No, my six-year-old girl is more into creepy crawlies than you are, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rupert... Yeah, um, so, it, yeah it, it, so that's where I think it's going. and I, So I think the horses will remain a part of it, but I think that they're part of a greater whole for him. Whereas for me, it's definitely, you know, 
a fanatical <laughs> passionate obsession <laughs> of you know were you still um, were you I, I, go ahead will you still travel with him you're going to do some yeah, more traveling well, this is the thing um ghost the shaman of the reindeer people said that we should do um at least one good healing journey a year um didn't matter where it was as long as we did it so last year i took him to africa again where i know the healers personally and that was amazing because that was his first safari and we were with the bushman in namibia in uh, southwest africa and um they did extraordinary healings with him and what came from that interestingly what came right after that was a mathematical dialogue that hadn't been there before but again that that actually unfolded on the horse when we got back i remember taking him into the round pen we were told that because he was a first grader now he had to learn fractions and i was like I'm not going to teach for fractions. I don't know anything about math myself. You're a horse guy. You don't know math. Right. <laughs> I told you I'm not the brain in the relationship. Uh, <laughs> so we went into the round pen, and I just started introducing as a conversation, let's go halfway around. Now let's go uh-huh. a quarter way around. Now let's go you know, two quarters way around. And I, just, I didn't ask anything back from him. I just talked about it while we did it. And pretty soon he started suggesting whether we'd go a half quarter and so on. And then by three weeks, he was doing that stuff on paper. By four months after that, he was doing it in double columns. Wow. Adding and subtracting fractions. (laughs) And uh, then this year, we had to be in Australia for the book and the film. So it made sense to look for a healer who was an Aboriginal healer. And we found an incredible guy in the rainforest in northern Queensland, sort of under New Guinea, in the Daintree Rainforest. And he worked with Ryan for a few days. And at the end of those three healings, Rowan actually sat up, I, don't, I kid you not, and said, I feel better in my head. I feel happy. Oh. <laughs> ran off, came running back, gave the guy a hug, and then ran off to play again. And <laughs> since then, we've seen a kind of massive lucidity. Um, now... Next year, this coming year, 2010, is going to be the sort of third of those three journeys that Ghost said that we should take. And a lot of people are asking me, well, okay, look, it's all very well heading off to places like Mongolia and, you know, Africa. What's here? You know, what's on our doorstep? And I keep saying, well, you know what? I don't know. So what we're going to do is follow the spine of the Rockies and go for different Native American healers. I was just going to say, you're going to see some yeah. Indian healers that are... Absolutely, and, and see what comes from that. And then we'll hop across to Europe and do the same thing there. We have one indigenous tribe left in Western Europe called the Sami, who are the, also, they're also reindeer herders, and they live up in northern Scandinavia, also called the Laps or Lapland, you know, mm. that yep, area. Yep. And it's, it, it goes across all the four countries up there. And... I, do, I believe that they have quite a strong system of shamanism still left. So we'll do that. And some of those journeys will be on horseback and some of them will be by car and some of them will be by foot. Um, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, the, 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 the sort of mystery are, continues to unfold. Well, good luck with all of that. And it just, you know, it, it, it's an incredible story. And, and obviously your resilience and... Your resilience in dealing with your wife in the first place and going through all of that as us horse husbands can relate. Um, so, so, I mean, there was just that. Without the child, 
uh, with autism. She just had to deal with a horse-crazy guy. I mean, that's enough to begin <laughs> with. And then you throw this into the mix, and then this horse-crazy guy wants to drag him out to some some foreign country nobody's ever heard of. It's just, I can picture it all. We're definitely getting her on the Horse Husband Show. We're going to have our you first... We're going to have our first female representative. <laughs> uh, the, the story she could tell. Uh, Oh, I is... bet. <laughs> and I, I want to tell everybody. Give her a couple of shots of tequila. She'll really tell you. <laughs> she can go over to my house. I'll feed her full of wine. <laughs> I hear in the background. I want my lawyer present. <laughs> well, this is um, this is great. You can find the movie and where it's playing currently at horseboymovie.com. Just go there and you can find the list of uh, where it's playing. You can go onto Google and just Google uh, Horseboy, and it'll come up and tell you where it's playing in your area. And then also the book can be found at Amazon. You can just go there and search for the horse boy. You better not search for your name. There's 85 of them. So um, we'll if, post links to it. We'll definitely post links to it as well. And But Rupert, it you, sounds like you have a ton of other fascinating books, so I encourage people to check that out as well. I, well, that's kind of you. Thank you. This has been. We could talk to you for another hour. Um, well, but, it's 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 weird to be. I can talk the balls off a buffalo, man. So, you, know, <laughs> you, you have to kind of, you have to kind of shoot me to stop me. Sorry. We have to. I, he's got his own show coming. Yeah, he does definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a very merry Christmas Thank and you. a gr- fantastic New Year, and it sounds like you're already on your way to that anyway. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for having me on. It was a great honor. All right, well, thanks, Rupert. The honor's ours. Cheers. Well, Helena, could you think of a neater story to do the week before Christmas? Nope. I mean, Uh, it's just an amazing story. I really do want to see the movie. It's actually playing here in Lexington, and I think Jennifer and I are going to try and get out to see it tonight. I I can't imagine. I I just can't even begin to imagine what it must be like to, um, to have a child, an autistic child. I mean, you have one child, and you have a, a good child, and she's a really good kid, and yet you know, any child can be difficult at times, and it, it's just, it, it, I agree with you, I can't even imagine what it must be like. But communication is so important, I and mean, you spend the first three years, four years of their lives trying to teach them how to communicate so that they could be understood and so that you can understand them, and that's that's the connection I think every parent tries for and um to face the to to have such challenges basically that door is closed off to you completely and i would you know what if i had to go to mongolia i'd go to mongolia yeah and it's I think, just it's not even something you think about you just you just do when he's an amazing guy too i mean you know hearing his story and what you know what all the different things he's done and you know you i i told you he was so well spoken he's just a nice guy you know, mm. and he obviously still rides. He was riding before we interviewed him today. So. <laughs> <laughs> still out on the horse, which is a cool thing. Well, you know, this has been fun. What a year we've had. I know. I realized that when I was at that event last weekend, when, when you see all of the really cool horse people that we have interviewed, we, have, we just have the coolest job and get to talk to the neatest people. And we get to talk to them in a way... You know, like Monty, you know, he told me, you know, I haven't had an interview like that in, in forever, where, where it wasn't all about his training. It was about just about chatting, you know, and talking. And he said, you know, I love that. You know, and, <laughs> you know that's, I think, why people like doing the Stable Scoop show is just because 
we you know we we are who we are and and we 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 really try and do the human interest side of the horse world yeah we don't want we don't have an ulterior motive we're not trying to sell something or uh, well we are trying to sell something for our sponsors (laughs) well no i mean for our guests (laughs) we're not trying to influence anybody it's i mean you and i and jen and you know Anybody else that we've interviewed, Monty, Gina Miles, all these people, we could just sit around, have a cup of coffee, and talk about our horses all day long. Uh, and, I, and I did that over the weekend. <laughs> and, and it's, But it's such a fulfilling thing. It's yes. just to connect with other people on something that we love so much. Um, that's what the Stable Scoop Radio Show is. It's not about you know who's who or who's done what. It's just – it's sharing, and I think people really they, – they tap into it, and they appreciate it. I and hope we have can. serious shows on the network. The Eventing and Dressage show tend to be more serious and get training involved and everything, and, and that's good. I mean, that's why we have a network. Right. Um, Those but, are more functional shows. Those are more, right. you know, how Horse to – Horse Tip Daily. I mean, right, look at exactly. that one. You know, that, that's a very practical, functional show. And well, it's we've v- pretty very much popular. tapped into all of the things that you, all the categories within the horse world. And we're going to be adding some new shows come the new year, and, and hopefully we'll be tapping into some of those those spaces that we're missing. But Stable Scoop still is the flagship show. It's still the most listened to show on the network, I'm proud to say. Yay! Uh, people still listen to us, Lena, which is unbelievable. But, I know. Uh, you know. Lisa, that's better than I have at home. My husband doesn't listen to me. <laughs> My father doesn't listen to me. My mother doesn't listen to me. Well, thousands Helena, of listeners around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to say we have a neat show coming up, too. Uh, next week, we wanted to remind everybody, is our special Christmas episode. Please tune in. You can go to any of the shows, and you'll find it, because <laughs> we're going to put it across all the shows, so I only have to edit one show next week. I don't think people realize that I edit all the shows still. Um, so it's a busy week, uh, even after done recording and setting up guests and all of that. Uh, all the shows need edited, and the show notes need written, and the websites need updated. So... So hopefully I'm going to get some help with that soon. That's one of my goals. Yeah. So support our sponsors. Yes, definitely. Support our sponsors, the more money they can give us, and the less editing Glenn has to do. Thank you, Helena. I appreciate that. Uh, You know, we have had, I want to thank also our sponsors. You know, they've been great to us this year across the network. We've had some fantastic sponsors. I got to spend some time with the owner of Succeed, who absolutely loves doing the WEG show. And loves being the title sponsor of that show and just couldn't say enough good things about it. So if you, if you are interested in sponsoring one of the shows, you can still do that. We have openings. Just contact me through the website. That would be fine at stablescoop.com. Just hit the contact link there. And I think Helena just fell off her chair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and we also wanted no to mention... no wine today. <laughs> I have no excuse for that. The end Sorry. of the year show, which will be put out on the 1st, actually... Uh, our last show, really, that we're going to record this year. We're doing a special episode with, um, with Horse South magazine. She actually is a lovely lady, too, by the name of Tess, who's going to be on with us, has put together her, is putting together her top most 50 influential women, horsewomen. And she has come out this year with her top 10, and she puts out three a month in her magazine. We're, you know, we've actually interviewed, of the top 10 her most influential women in, in, in America, we've interviewed several of them, which is kind of neat. So we're going to review that with her and go over with her all of those uh, top 10, and, and we're happy to say that Horse South will be starting to carry the Stable Scoop show as well on Horse their South website. Magazine. So we're, we're excited about that. But I think this is going to be a fun show for you. We want to find out from her why she chose the people she did. 
and the stories behind them. And I think, don't you think that's going to be cool for the year-end show? I think it's going to be very cool. When does she um, actually publish her list? We will. Oh, she she's been doing three new ones. She started doing every every episode every month. Yep. She she does three new ones, so it's going to be an ongoing thing till she hits fifty. Okay. Uh, so okay. It, it's like three so new ones a month. So she's at ten right she's now. She's at ten right now, which was 10. perfect for us to you know sit back and do the top ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you're going to be happy to know somebody you you really like is on there. Uh, matter of fact, several people, as I said, many of our guests are on there. So it's kind of cool. So we'll be doing that the the end of the year. Well, now, what technically counts as end of the year? Well, our end of the year, we're going to record that show a little early, and we'll be putting it out on, on probably the 31st, on, on Thursday the 31st. Oh, so really the end of the year. Really the end of the okay, year. Okay, yep. they don't have to wait till after the new year. That This will be something that they can listen to with a glass of champagne. They right? can fall asleep to it on New Year's Eve. Okay, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I think a lot I, of people so. fall asleep to our shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the timing. You know, it's you nice know it, we, we're t- great for insomniacs. Uh, yeah, speak yeah. for yourself. <laughs> you don't need to take a sleeping pill. Just listen to our show. You fall right asleep. It's, it's Have a fun. glass of wine. That helps, too. <laughs> I'm all about the wine now. Ever since I cracked open I that noticed. bottle of wine from Thanksgiving, I'm all about wine. Well, Helena, you have a great time finishing up your shopping and doing everything you need to do over the next week. And we will talk to everybody right before Christmas. Um, this show will actually come out on the, on the 23rd next week. We'll be a little early. Uh, we're heading back home uh, to Pennsylvania for, for the holidays, so we're going to get everything wrapped up here, and, and uh, we'll have everything out a little early next week. Second fr- favorite place in the, in the country, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. You did like visiting us there, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah. I thought it is a nice place, you know, but I, st- I like Lexington. Lexington's got it for me now. That's my third favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, you can find our show notes at StableScoop.com, and you can contact us through the website right there at StableScoop. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio and Helena at Helena underscore B, B-E-E. Well, Helena, until we get, meet again next week. You are so not doing a blooper reel this week. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back next week with The Scoop. I won't have to. You did good. <laughs> 